0: it's guy here hope you're well welcome to episode 40 of the creative forces podcast Uh, thanks for listening as always Um, if you can uh, give us a review uh, like subscribe to the podcast in your podcast app it all really helps Uh, thanks so much for everyone who has done that so far um, and if you do have a couple of minutes to do that, please do it. It really, really helps. Uh, so I'd be really, really appreciate it if you could. Uh, now, before we get into who is on this very special episode of Creative Forces, uh, which I'll tell you why in a minute, I'd just like to say thank you to everyone as well who's commented uh, on the website. Uh, loads of people have commented on. The episodes so far. Just to give a shout out to some of you, Susan Nicholson really liked uh, Creative Forces uh, Twenty Five, which was Portia Jones. She says this girl is amazing. She brings the travel lifestyle right home and creates a longing to go where she has. Uh, Graham Exton uh, really enjoyed Tony Husband. Said fascinating stuff. I empathise with much of what Tony has to say. Uh, Cliff Letts and Dave Jones both really enjoyed uh, episode 31. Uh, it was Ian McMillan. Uh, very relaxed and so enjoyable, says Dave. Uh, I love listening to Ian uh, and the interviewer thank you uh, dave and uh, he said the interviewer asked intelligent questions and gave him plenty of time to answer that's the kind of feedback i like and uh, also thank you to uh, jill simpson who loved uh, episode 38 which was john harris i should point out that uh, jill simpson is my mother in law uh, one of the biggest fans of the show so thanks jill uh, for that comment and all the feedback uh, so far much appreciated uh, and thanks to everyone who has commented uh, on the episodes so far so on to episode 40 of creative forces and as i mentioned it is a very special episode because it's the first ever recorded in front of a live audience that happened at the podcast social club in thirsk in yorkshire uh, the very first podcast social club too um, we were actually one of the first the po- creative forces was one of the first recordings of the whole festival so it was great to be part of that and it was uh, great to do it in front of an audience. Thank you to everyone that was there. Thank you to the organisers of uh, Podcast Social who made it so enjoyable. Um, shout out as well uh, to um, Andy and Sam from uh, Top Flight Time Machine who both watched the interview and Sam for asking a question at the end. Much appreciated. Um, so that was great and basically I spoke to Oliver Jones. Now he is not only the founder of the podcast Social Club, but he's also the founder of the Deershed Festival, which is a family-focused music, arts and science weekend uh, weekend camping festival in North Yorkshire. He founded that with his wife, uh, Kate. And since they founded it, um, it's gone on to become one of the best family-friendly festivals in the UK and celebrated its 10th anniversary this year, now Oliver spent more than a decade working in the music industry in Bristol and London. Included playing at Glastonbury, also studio engineering for Massive Attack. Then he ended up working in all sorts of jobs before setting up Deer Shed. And you can hear in this honest and uh, pretty funny interview, uh, Oliver described the ups and downs of uh, the music industry, the ups and downs also of setting up the festival and the joys of uh, finding acts for the festival on YouTube and uh, heading down YouTube wormholes. I'll hit the big red button. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm Guy. Uh, This is the first ever live recording of the Creative Forces podcast. Thank you to everyone for coming. Really appreciate it. Can you give us a bit of a a cheer to start with, just to prove that there is a studio audience here? How about that? So in case you haven't heard uh, Creative Forces before, Creative Forces is basically a series of interviews with creative people, people who've created something from nothing. And I'm delighted to say that Oliver Jones is my guest on uh, this live recording, who is the founder of Deer Shed Festival and Podcast Social Club. Yes. Welcome, Oliver. Welcome, everyone. Can we get a cheer for Oliver as well? So how does it feel? Day one of the inaugural podcast social club. Well, I've, I've just
1: taken the uh, Stanley knife out of my pocket, which <laughs> I was going to slit my wrists with late. Oh, no, that's only, only ex- joke. seems I mean. a bit extreme. Yeah, no, not really. But um, it's very uncomfortable in my tight jeans.
0: Yes, no, all good, really. Good, and yeah. How long has this been in the making? Uh, podcast
1: social, social club. club? Yeah. Um, how long has it been in the making? Um, well, six months, I guess. Um, more or less we, we, we I, I yeah i mean the, the the reason for doing it i think was to keep quite a big office full of Deershed festival staff busy in, in the run-up to christmas <laughs> <laughs> stopping <them> slacking um <laughs> do they tend
0: to just uh, sit back with them old wives for christmas
1: i think we all do yeah it's it's a re- it's one of these weird se- sort of very the festival's a very seasonal thing and so you know you come to christmas and it gets mad busy um but before, once you've tidied everything away, uh, yeah, it can, yeah. So it's a, it's a thing, and you want to, you want to keep people kind of employed. You don't want to suddenly have to let half your stuff go, and then get them all back. So th- that's why. And we, we've done a. This is the second kind of venture. I think we, we tried a, another thing over in Whitby and Hood's Bay. You know, at this time of year, that didn't work very well. What was <laughs> so that? That was called. Um, Uh, Well Landfall was the name of that and it was like a uh, We did a thing called comedy in the dark, which was which was stand up in the dark. Okay um, When we had to just um, Completely black out a room and comedy sort of takes on a very different was there a precedent
0: for this or was this just a bright idea? No, it was it was
1: it was a it was an idea that we sort of licensed actually I think it's an Edinburgh It was an Edinburgh fringe show that we'd sort of licensed off some chap from Leicester and, um, yeah, trying to get, trying to get, you know, these little tiny little green LED. They insisted that it had to be absolutely pitch black. Okay. So, which involved lots of ladders and gaffer tape and making boxes and covering every possible, and, and having, like, having the um, fire, the fire, uh, exit signs covered by a box on a big stick so that you could very quickly whisk it away. <laughs> Should the bin it's yeah, faff. <laughs> so why didn't it quite work? <laughs> um... Again, it's kind of one of these It's it's is there an audience big enough in the Northeast on the coast uh, And you know what the weather co- I think it was a similar time of year I think it was November and, and it's just you know what those moors can be like it's yeah. Not everyone wants to trek across there unforgiving unforgiving. Yeah um, But yeah, so that was So we've we've tried uh, yeah a few different <coughs> artistic ventures
0: I just realized I to the say, this by been the way, the second. <laughs> Oliver is up for taking a couple of questions from, from you lot at the end, by the way. So if you think about, if you want a question the last five minutes, we might throw it open to you lot if you want. So if you want to ask a question, think about it as we're going. So why, uh, why podcast then for this one? Um,
1: we'd, we'd done a few podcasts at Deer Shed, And I think um, the idea behind it was, it was quite a lofty ambition, actually, that if we can get lots of people in the same building... At um, uh, opposite ends of different interests, and the example I always give is gender issues and farming right <laughs> not, not that, um not that there isn 't you know there aren 't farmers who are extremely interested in gender issues I okay. don 't know any of them um, then we would sort of you know uh, perhaps heal some of our divisions they extremely lofty ambition but actually um I think the other thing about it as we will perhaps find out as, as we get through tonight and tomorrow is that if you, if you listen to podcasts, you don't you listen in isolation and you don't necessarily meet anyone else who likes the podcast you do. (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see uh, how many um, new friendships get made over the weekend. Like I say, it, it it is a, it is a kind of lofty ambition, but that was kind of, that was the, the nice little cute spin on, the podcasting idea because there are podcast festivals but they do tend to be all about one issue mm. um, or they tend to be a podcast a night in a theatre over the course of ten days or something mm. so yeah you are all part of a, a social experiment <laughs> which <you laughs> may, which seems to be starting off well I know I've taken the standing knife out
0: yeah right. yeah the standing <laughs> knife <laughs> has been uh, you know the safety catch is back on yeah. <laughs> so yeah so so podcast social club we all, I think we all say best of luck with that you know, it's a great venture. But what about Deershed then? How did you know Deershed is the festival that you set up ten nearly well the next year's the eleventh year, I think you were saying beforehand. Yeah. So just how did that come about in the first place? What were you doing before before Deer Shed and what made you set it up? Um so uh me and
1: my wife Kate sort of met in Bristol. Um it depends how far you want to go back really. But we we um we always have been in the music industry and so I've fallen by the wayside once or twice <laughs> in that time where I've had to do fairly grotty other jobs. Um
0: well, hang on, hang on. What were the okay. what would so what what would you do in the music industry?
1: So I I I um my first thing I did after leaving uni was apart from being on the dole and working in a garage, <laughs> was to um get a job making T-Boy, t- I suppose, is what I used to call it, a recording studio in Bristol called Coach House. So that was my first sort of, uh, yeah, my first kind of music industry thing. And I, I started, first day sort of rolled up, you know, uh, 2021, 20, not knowing quite what to expect. Um, and those of you who know your music, um, so Portishead were in Recording Dummy, right. which is their first seminal. It's not a bad place to start no it wasn't a bad place to start um but i was i was a lowly you know tea boy cleaned everything um cleaned the toilet made the tea bought fags for everyone um just what 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 it was at that time but i did go on to then um you know anyway that time in bristol was um trip hop time uh 92 93 um so i did work with massive attack um, albeit in a very, you know, I, I, it was always my worst session that I ever did was, was working with them because they were in the nightmare to what? work with. Well, they were all just, they were lovely lads, but they did all sort of, they would all go off in, in completely different directions and it was it was just me, you know, making things work, pushing faders.
0: So you were like a studio engineer
1: at this point? I was an engineer, yeah. So I'd, so I'd work with, you know, um, just just through being there and there being no one else to do it probably <laughs> um, and I was always um, I never served I don't know if anyone is particularly bothered but that the sort of industry used to used to be used to be trusted with the tea, with the kettle and then you would be incrementally given more and more important things to do well that for me happened within three months right. and so I was mixing blue airplanes records and all sorts of things very very quickly without actually a terribly sort of um, sound foundation.
0: Had you studied that at university then? No, you, sound cause engineering?
1: no. Because um, you, because you, you could. Well, I did electronics, but because you, okay. you couldn't. Um, much to my annoyance now, because you could do it now. You, you just couldn't then. There wasn't. There weren't the courses. You right. could do electronics or physics or music, I guess. But there was no. This is the one amazing thing now about education. albeit you could you could do a course like that now and still not get a job. So. There are only so many of those Hmm. places, but electronics was what I did at Bangor. Um, So quite a scientific, not a terribly creative um, (laughs) start, really. But like I say, that's the sort of the closest I could get to.
0: And so that must have felt pretty good, though, at the time you were involved in those albums that were pretty big at that time, weren't they?
1: Um, yeah, I think with hindsight, I might might have made more effort, (laughs) if I'm honest, because I used to just go, I remember one time when Massive Attack were coming in for a session, and I, I just got this pre-arranged holiday (laughs) with my father-in-law, and it was like, it was only a little trip to France. I could have said no, uh, but I just, I could have, you know, I could have said, I'm not going to go on holiday, this is more important to my career, and then the guy who took that session off me, I think, engineered all of mezzanine after that, so, you know, perhaps foolish, but... Yeah, I don't know. It was some, um, yeah, what well, well, a daft thing to do, <laughs> but I did. Off, off the back of that being very, sort of just to have an association with those bands at that time, did mean that you could go to London quite easily, actually. And so, Kate worked at the a music management company in Bristol. And That's how we met through the music industry in Bristol. And we mm. just, so then we all just booked off to London.
0: Where did you end up there then? London was that just, another recording? Yeah, yeah. Just
1: just freelancing. Then I had all sorts of kind of, like, I I did, um, yeah, I did have a job in between engineering. And I played in a band as well. Um, Played in a band called Sunhouse, if anyone will remember Sunhouse.
0: Is this the band you played at Glastonbury with?
1: Yes. What year was that? 98.
0: How was that experience?
1: Uh, No, it wasn't (laughs) awful, but it was a terrible year. To anyone who was... 97, 98 were were, were really wet years at Glastonbury. So it was the mud... My yeah, path. just not just if you know where to sit down. I'm sure this is <laughs> and, and in, in ill-fitting wellies where the where the, your your arches I limped out of it. Really? Like, yeah, and there was no special treatment for being in the band at all, if I remember. It was just just crack on with it. Um but yeah, what about it,
0: the being it, on stage though? Was, that, was it worth it for that or?
1: I think so, uh, yeah, no, absolutely and and it and it is the sort of thing that you can say that you've done. Yeah. Um and we had all sorts of interesting it was a band... I don't know if... Has anyone heard of Sunhouse? Oh, my days. <laughs> but it was... That's how it was at the time. So so um, Gavin, who has now passed away, unfortunately, um, was always quite a troubled soul. And he he worked at Alton Towers with Shane Meadows. Who I'm sure okay, yeah. you've heard of it, Flipping Burgers or whatever. And then Shane Meadows started off on his film career and just loved Gavin's music and so brought Gavin's music into some of his early films. They... Gavin got signed off the back of that uh, to Independiente, which was part of Sony. And I worked on the, al- I w- engineered on their only album. And they were looking for a, a guitar player because Gavin was unable really to, to play guitar live. He was, he could hold it together. You know, I don't think it's any uh, secret to say he was, you know, he suffered with the booze a little bit. Um, so yeah, we, I just I was the only one. I and Kate worked for the management company. I think I was the only one who did audition, so therefore got the job <laughs> as um, as Sunhouse's guitar player when they went live. Um, and they were given this is the other, this is the thing that was quite nice is that they were treated very um, well by the record company. So it was the big thing. They sound a bit like Star Sailor. Right? Has anyone heard of Star Sailor? That's another band at that time, really. Um, sort of quite solely, yeah. And and would it have been so? It would have been ninety eight. Whether it's post Britpop, mm. or I can't quite work <laughs> it out. <laughs> but I used to go. Um, we lived um, in Shepherd's Bush at the time, and we used to have these little little um, European trips to to see to Sony headquarters in various European destinations. Like so, we went to Berlin, but just for like a night. Or well, we went to Stockholm. We went to Paris. And went went all over, just doing these little shows. Um, and because I wasn't in the band, I didn't have to do any interviews. <laughs> um, and just yeah, you know, yeah, business business class from you know just Piccadilly line from Shepherd's Bush. And I, I did feel like I was living a the life there for for a little so while. So they
0: were signed to a proper label, and it was all happening.
1: Yeah, it was, it, all, was, it, was it was all it was all meant to be happening. They're, they're often cited as the as the one of the bands that were. Um, you know who everyone had high hopes for at the time and and came to nothing um and nobody quite knows knows why
0: was that just the 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 label dropped the band or was that the? no
1: it was it was i I don't know it's an amazing it's called crazy on the weekend the the album it's an amazing album i do recommend anyone look it up beautiful beautiful record one of these sort of lost records but not in the way that nick drake is kind of nick drake's sort of been you know died and Then got rediscovered didn't mm-hmm. he after his death and he wasn't wasn't famous before he died particularly whereas I don't I'm not sure fame that Sunhouse will be Famous after Gavin's death either. No really
0: and was so was playing guitar Was that the dream when you were younger like when you were at school was that what you? yeah? Do? Yeah, was yeah. it all about music when you were at school or was yeah. it other things?
1: No, it was about music. Yeah, it was all about music really um and yeah and i I guess i kind of carried that i played in bands at at, at uni i I got a bit distracted i was wanted i left uni with my mate oz and wanted to start a band and then he we moved to bristol and he didn't last very long
0: right sort of thing (laughs) Um, so did you at that point you thought okay i'm going to try and make it in the the sort of studio setup rather than with the band or was, was the music playing the music still carrying on
1: um i kind of liked after a while as soon as i got a sampler and a atari you know i was sort of quite self-sufficient okay and um yeah and and that you, you didn't at that time you maybe didn't need a band and i tried sort of you know trying to form bands just through the classified ads um it's always very hit and miss isn't it yes yeah, i've had that experience really too, hit too, and miss. Yeah. Um, so so never really found anyone i could sort of connect could connect with musically and, and i had a you know, my sampler was my best friend you know, <laughs> after I could afford the thing.
0: Um. And so, then when you were in the you said you did a couple of grotty jobs, what were they you had to come out of um, the music industry? Um, studios. well, I,
1: I, I before I, I I worked in a garage for ages. Um, I had some what did I do in London? I worked in a in between recording jobs, I worked in a call center phoning up people about their Audi servicing record that was. Really soul destroying, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: um,
1: I, and I worked at a cabling company called VDC, which made which I'd soldered microphone leads and studio looms and things like that. And then I went into sales there. Um, and then I think eventually I, w- I did the thing that finished me off, you know, because it was quite uh, you know, like I said, I was never that good at it, so I wasn't like in, in high demand, but I managed to week out. You know, doing sessions in between. Mm. Um, I worked with a band called Stony Sleep, who were, uh, and it was when, it was at the time when Princess Diana had died, I remember, um, and they were, it was a six-week session without a day off in um, Wessex Studios in Highbury, uh, with a band who were, the, the oldest of them was 16, they were just doing the GCSEs, and his oldest, younger brother was 14, they were all on ketamine. <laughs> Um, And that, and I did take a look at myself at at the now kind of quite tender age of 30 and think, you know, I I, I don't want, don't want to be doing this anymore, really. So, like, it was just, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know how much of my life story you want, Guy, really, but I can keep going if you want. So, so, what
0: then was the, when did the deer shed, the idea to start a festival, or how did that come about, going from... The music industry in London to set up um, a deer shed up here. Well, we, we we I I went back to I
1: went back to um to uni uh, in in London and did an MSC in computer science, which seemed quite the sensible thing to do. Because
0: um, well, th- at that stage, then were you thinking you'd go? into Yeah, n-
1: n- um, I wanted to maybe get into video games. Okay. So I I did that year. Um, uh, in London, then we moved back up to Yorkshire. And then I got a job um, in Middlesbrough in a, uh, Writing video games with a company called atomic There's no I've it's a, there's no one here from a company called atomic planet Is it because it would be the third time I've slagged something off tonight? Okay. <laughs> so so that company was I worked there for a couple of years um, uh, And that's a notoriously I mean it is a creative environment I suppose which is sort of what I've always been able to do, actually, is mix the kind of... Which is why I can do engineering, where I could work work in a studio, where I could be relatively successful in a video company, a video games company, because I can do technical and creative things together. And I, what I can't do is purely artistic endeavours or purely technical endeavours. It's the mix of the two where I seem to do better. Mm. Um, so... So after that after they were all clowns really and so they that eventually <laughs> just disappeared and they went bust um, and then I worked for my my brother-in-law's tank gauging a company that made tank gauges for um oil refineries, right? That was a job that I shouldn't have been given really but <laughs> my father my, my brother-in-law sort of um, swung it um, That was a job where you couldn't You you had to sit in absolute silence sort of. right I wasn't used to that at all No um,
0: from recording studio to <SSSSSR> from, from <absolute SSSR> recording silence. studio, and the and the
1: games company was fairly you know fairly lively. I didn't last long there, um, and then. But this is all when we were having kids. So this is all when we had no money, and we were, um, you know. Then I then I just went to Leeds every day, worked in Leeds in IT, and then eventually something happened. What happened? To start, I just think I just got fed up of it and started my own thing. So I started my own web development company. 2008 and did that for a bit um, for a year and then we got to the point um, what we had been doing actually over this time is is starting promoting music so I don't know if anyone, Chris there in the front row certainly came to um, some of the gigs that we used to do at the courthouse 10 years ago now in just in the main room um, and we just me and Kate just started dabbling a bit in um, just just getting filling filling that sort of eighty eighty person room four times a year with whoever was passing by nobody very expensive or particularly well known mm. um, and I still, suppose that's what start started it um, the the elephant in the room is that Kate's dad owns ninety acres of really nice parkland uh, near <laughs> near Topcliffe so that's um, that's a hurdle. I always just so think. Give you an idea. Well, it's just a hurdle, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of. I mean, m- my normal speech on um, sort of why does anyone? Well, I used to get asked all the time, "Why have you started a music festival?" And I think um, it's everybody has just a uh, a built-in need almost to share things, whether it's stamps that you've collected or whatever it is everybody likes to share a new band they've discovered or a new whatever it is um and i think some of us are, are lucky enough to be able to do it and have those hurdles knocked down and, yeah and and the music i suppose the music connection so we'd always been throughout this time of me being good at nothing and being almost fired from various jobs kate had a very steady <laughs> um uh, kind of career doing what she'd done and when she when we moved up from london she kind of continued to do um artist accounts and artist management for music industry clients that she's still got now actually so um she certainly had the connections with agents live mm-hmm. music agents which is the really really as we're finding with deer shed now it's just it doesn't get any easier booking the band you want it's
0: a real real struggle so did it feel at some point that all those things sort of came together and it it almost became clear that that was an idea that could work or was it was it just gradually building up those gigs um, you know the smaller gigs and then it got bigger and bigger or how did it work
1: um I guess they I I suppose maybe they gave us some confidence and they and then a lot of the people here tonight who they're all ten years older and significantly more jaded than they used to be (laughs) they all you know we had a group of friends you know we had a group of people who were um, who were up for it really and I think that gave us a bit of confidence we had a certain amount of money that we I suppose were prepared to lose um, on the first year and the first year was not anywhere near as big as it is now but was you know w- we made as many mis- you know we made as many daft mistakes then you know, probably more actually looking back on it than
0: well, it's always interesting, I think, with things like this you know about the mistakes or about the things that because things always go wrong, don't they well, especially when you're setting things up for the first time, what were the things in that very the first like proper deer shed if you like that that went that were the the obstacles you had to overcome
1: um the things that I remember are running out of change um, which happened all the time, and despite how many times you told people to like just ask for the right change we we had we had just so many people go out to local chip shops and for for change it was daft really. Um, I had the one thing that I mean I the level of stress is is, is the thing really and that year I, it's always stressful and sometimes Deer Shed has been so stressful that I think I won't survive literally, literally will not survive the weekend <laughs> um, and I mean that literally actually. There's just the mix of uh, kind of body chemistry and Stress, relief, anxiety, fatigue. It's kind of, it does push what you can deal with. Um, we have, since since those particular years, we have brought more people on. <laughs> um, but the first year was, I'd sort of, we had this generator. We had, I think had one probably ran on one generator and it didn't strike me that that generator would arrive on site on Tuesday and then sit there like a 30,000 pound stealable thing. I mean, not easily stealable thing. And I just, and I didn't didn't cross our minds at the time that you could probably pay a security guy like Andrew Quidonite to sit on it. (laughs) Um, So I just um, camped. I camped out with it, you know, sort of. (laughs) And we had hidden it. But I sort of, I just was, I just got increasingly paranoid that, I could hear somebody coming for it, and at one point, I almost sort of, you know, like in Apocalypse Now, where the guy just goes all yeah. black. It's almost like I became an owl, you know, and I was tuned into nature, and I was, it was just preposterous. Was it nice was
0: by the generator as well in the terminal. No, well, it wasn't
1: on. No, <laughs> no, um, just things like that that you just think, well, that's just really daft.
0: Um,
1: yeah.
0: So that leap though from. What what was the thing that made you think you could do this as a you know full you know a festival rather than just laying on individual gigs was there a step between the gigs and then thinking right okay let's do this on a bigger scale.
1: Um, I don't really remember if I'm honest. <laughs> um, it, it was only that I think I mean D shed one was one music stage, and um, I think. Um, and and it's I think the, the kids, the kids thing, the, the 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 fact that we wanted a family audience, I think, was fairly nailed on from the start. And so, Rachel, who's here tonight, um, who's a, is a school teacher, she um, she sort of took care of that side. And we had some food vendors, and we had a, we ran the bar ourselves, which was foolish, and we ran a lot of the food ourselves, which is as foolish. <laughs> um, and we had a lot of kids activities, and we thought swing balls would be great, and yeah, so I don't think it was perhaps an enormous step. And I think okay. in terms of money, it might have cost 80 grand to put on or something like that. Um, and we lost five or something like that. So, I mean, it's it, it's your own level of what you're happy to kind of risk, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I thought yeah it was a, it was a gamble. it was definitely a gamble. I think we thought it would cost forty, so that we must have had s- some reserve somewhere that we'll try it once and see how it goes and it's, and, it, and it was at a time when there weren't as many festivals i don't, mm. I don't think um, like I mentioned to you earlier, I don't think you would do it now. I would uh, two thousand people came to the first dish and I think, I think I couldn't hand on heart be confident of selling that many tickets today
0: is that just because of the competition that there's so many festivals now so many more festivals out there now than there was then
1: i think so yeah and i I just think in those last 10 years actually there's been a lot more competition for people's time i mean i thank you all dearly for coming out tonight from the bottom of my heart because it you know i'm quite happy sat on youtube all night i don't know about anyone else (laughs) it just feeds me all i want you know mountain biking whatever it's just yeah
0: I guess the family friendly element is a big part of it isn't it was that always was that something that you hit on quite early on that you wanted it to be that right because there's not that many family friendly festivals there's more now i guess but the, yeah maybe the,
1: they the, there there are has anyone come to deer shed here one or two yeah yeah um yeah. i i i think it was again i I don't really remember it terribly well but i think we wanted to do something for for kids because we had kids ourselves and i just think we sort of built it for people like us, really. And we didn't really care about what music the people <laughs> liked. It was just like, we'll book what we want. Um, and I don't think there is, uh, being now quite involved in, in the festival industry and knowing pretty much everybody who does run another family-friendly festival, I don't think anyone does it quite like us. And I think I can say that pretty confidently, that they're not, the kids aren't at the heart of it like they are at, at Deer Shed and a lot of festivals will say they're family friendly and they'll have a kid's area. Hmm. And I don't think that's kind of, well, that's certainly not what we do because you know, there's just so many of them you, you wouldn't ever be able to. Um,
0: How's that evolved over the years then, the, you know, the kid friendly aspect of it?
1: I, it's just, I think it's just always been there. Um, and we've added, um, we've broadened what we do. We started off with just music and sort of workshops kids workshops and And that was sort of year one and it's got and it's been a gradual thing and now we are music comedy shows sport science theater all you know every uh, artistic Thing that we can bring into it really Um, this the, the interesting thing about Shed is that if you get into anything Just on YouTube you find if you find something you, you like chances are that you can just shoe it shoehorn it in there somewhere and, and it might not be something that there's an enormous audience for but you know especially some of the stuff that I've insisted on having which has been quite highbrow and no one else has enjoyed apart from me <laughs> um, but it, it is possible you know it's kind of like it's this and this is this is another difficult thing with doing another event that you can just you've got this thing that you can just pile good stuff into that you might discover and it could be anything
0: and is that how you find a lot of the accents? You go, you just on YouTube or you find them just...
1: No not, no, not music, but just things or just ideas. I'm trying to think of, you know, um, AI art was just... I don't know if anyone's seen any um, art that's generated by computers. Like this, like a machine learning thing where you just set an AI um, s- scanning like the entire contents of... A museum or whatever, online images in general, and then it learns it learns what's good, and then chucks its own interpretation out. And so, for example, I mean, it's you know, it's it's, it's not getting a massive reaction <laughs> in the room, um, and it didn't particularly at Disha, but it's just a really, really interesting, really, really interesting thing. Like and if you see your... if you if you see those images, they're just like, oh my god, they are masterpieces. But yeah. I think not... about
0: your ex- your training and the different things that you've done, I can see why that would appeal to you. The different. Yeah. Industries yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, really pretty much just me um, <laughs> and we had yeah and, and and there has been Yeah, so I, I guess that's just an example of something that you find Like a fascinating thing and yes There will be an expert and yes You can put them on a train from london for a couple hundred quid and they will come and do a little, a little ted talk about it. Something.
0: Mm. is that one of the really nice things about doing the festival then that you can decide to put on? AI art or something else that just pure yeah, I think you like it. yeah, I
1: think so I think thinking about it that it's um, you're not um, there's no It's it, I can imagine if you couldn't do that. It'd be quite frustrating and it comes back to that thing. Well, you know, I found this and I Think it's really good. And, and that's mm-hmm.
0: the idea you are saying about sharing You want?
1: Yeah, this. yeah, I, I think you know, no one in my family would be remotely interested in <laughs> anything. like that. Okay, you certainly wouldn't um so, yeah, it's just, uh, right, I can put this, I can... And is it a bit... I mean, it's curating, isn't it? And and there's a, there's, there's a little bit of an egotistical thing to, like... Perhaps, I don't know, whether it's kind of like... Um, I, I don't think I am egotistical, but it's kind of... It feels a little bit... Talking about it now, I feel a little bit self-conscious. It's not like I've found it or done it myself. <laughs> I've just... It's just come up on one of my feeds as an interesting thing.
0: And what's the... Can it, what's the idea for the future with this it, does it grow each year, or does is it reach a level now where it like you know it's the size that it should you know will be for the for the foreseeable, or, or will it? Does it keep growing?
1: Um, I'm I'm struggling with. So you do ten of them, um, and you kind of work out. I think when you start the first one, you have an idea what ten might look like in terms of where things are. Like we're always trying to get our main stage in a certain place now i'm a, a bit lost if i'm brutally honest um there's, there is an antidote to this this kind of not sure you know i don't know what number 20 is going to be and i'm actually personally feeling um that the festival the music festival thing i think is starting to be a little bit Every day, I don't know. It's just kind of my feeling. I, I mean, w- the the way we're addressing this is actually um, with immersive theatre. And I went I went to this thing, this kind of immersive theatre, um, all, all you can learn in a weekend thing in Hackney um, a couple of months ago. I think it was the best thing I've ever been to. Certainly, the most inspiring weekend of my life in terms of. I mean, I don't know whether any of you guys have been to immersive theatre, but at, at one end, it's secret cinema. It's going to you know, uh, a, a, a dramatised it's that even a word, um, screening of a famous film. For example, Secret Cinema have done Shawshank Redemption and they pick you up in a school bus and you're dressed in all the orange jumpsuits. That's one quite now, if you live in that there, London. What you do every weekend, you go and see a piece of immersive theatre and mm-hmm. um, it's not reached us up here yet, particularly, I don't think. Um and so this 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 weekend was just a fascinating uh, everything you can possibly want to know about immersive theatre, and it was brilliant.
0: What did you find so inspiring about it?
1: Just the, um, the idea, I think, that all is not as it seems. And we're used to kind of virtual reality, aren't we, or, or reality on our phones. But this whole idea, there was a few things that people said to me over the weekend that happened and are a thing. And somebody said that, there's a theatre company that runs a pub quiz in a part of London, which is actually not a pub quiz. It's a front for something else. Right. Um, And it appears to be a pub quiz, and I'm sure if you went, you wouldn't even notice, but there is an alternative motive behind running this pub quiz, which they run every however. And it's a a good motive. It's probably a kind of community cohesion sort of thing. I don't know, but that whole idea of like... um, uh, the world not being as it appears to be and and so our theme for Deershed next year is called incognito Right, which and the tra- strap line for the whole festival is As follows um, like it's a f- you know, because we do theme everyone and so Deershed 11 The search for Spock or whatever. It's going to be um, uh, You pitch your tent at a f- music festival, but the family who camp next to you are not who they appear to be so right. That kind of sets up. I mean, I just—if that's planted in your head—as <laughs> um, you pitch your tent. I mean, we have to be a little bit careful, and, <laughs> um, safe, <laughs> safeguarding things. But I think that just sets in motion a little. Oh, hang on a minute. And the thing about a festival that is so unique, actually, and a lot of—and and the problem that a lot of these immersive theatre companies have—they have to create. The Shawshank Redemption set, for example, whereas we have got an entire little festival bubble and festival environment that we control. So who's to say, is that food vendor a food vendor or are they? is it staffed by actors? Right. And so as soon as you start going down that little wormhole, um, I think it's there's a lot to play with there. And that's inspired me. And it and it's not a new idea. I don't know if anyone's seen the film The Game with Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, yeah. And that whole idea, when he's, so he's he's just a lawyer, isn't he? Or something, he's a city type who's a bit of an (laughs) arsehole. And his brother just buys him this experience. Um, That's the basic plot. And he just, Mm. he he, he just just assumes it's real. He he assumes that the guy who's just kidnapped him is a guy who's just kidnapped him. And so, I'm not sure it's a very good film, but the idea behind it is sort of, you know, and existence as well, if anyone's ever seen that, it's a similar thing. Jude Law in it I think. So what
0: are the kind of things that happen like for example you mentioned the pub quiz what did you do you know what the thing the alternative thing that was happening was <laughs> um, no and it
1: almost doesn't matter it's just the idea of it <laughs> it's just the idea that you've all come here tonight and it's actually it's not a, it's not a pub real? class social club at all it's it's a front for some <laughs> left wing well yeah probably is actually <laughs> left wing <laughs> propaganda I don't know but um, I think it's an interesting idea and and, and it seems to me to be um, i don 't know why it 's inspired me all of a sudden because, like I say that those two fi- existence in the game are quite old films now, and i whilst I like them at the time i feel it i feel there 's a resonance with them um, And some of its escape rooms i don 't know if anyone's done an escape room we did one the Deer Shed office had a trip out in an escape room at tadcaster which i 'd sort of thoroughly recommend um and that was a it 's just a thing it 's just you 've got to escape from this room <laughs> with team. you know with your team mm. and it just just highlight how useless half of them are. <laughs> colourblind as well, that's not... You can't be colourblind in the skate room, but... Um, that's the fourth thing I've s- said today <laughs> <laughs> on so useless
0: Because you kind of were implying a little bit before you were saying about that, that you know you were contemplating the future of the festival, but is it more that you want to take it in a different it's just direction how can rather you, than... Not, so the idea of the music festival you're saying is... Yeah,
1: great. it's just what, what else can you do? What yeah. How can you freshen up... Um, you know you can because you can't you it gets it it refreshes itself every year because you have different bands you have different comedy you have different things so you're you're already there's all that going on and that will forever go on and that's fine and it's it's that's an easy thing to do you just keep going to gigs and keep finding new bands you love mm. um but it's just this whole what else can it be you know what else can you do with it? and there are festivals you know there are Boomtown would be one that is just that leans on immersive theatre, um, and more even more ketamine, I'm to believe. <laughs> um, and then there's um, uh, what's the one in the desert? Burning Man. So Burning Man is Nevada desert where it's yeah, all just uh, yeah. kind of like no one wears any clothes and but they all, yeah, just a, quite a dystopian look to it. So there are festivals that are doing things that, but you know. What, what can we do that's going to be more than just... Um, and we have, actually, the downside of all this is that somebody... Because we pushed it quite a lot on our website. Somebody said, oh, no, I don't think so. You don't, no. <laughs> don't, don't want to join in with that. Or, or it's like, I don't know, it's like almost kind of going the opposite way. yeah So I just want a relaxing weekend. Thank you very much. Well, I'm sure you do, actually. Because yeah. you know. um,
0: yeah, I think for some people it might be a bit... Scary that idea, right? That you don't quite know what's going on. I mean, obviously, for a lot of people, as you say, are doing it and they're enjoying it, but it it might be off putting for a big up part of the audience, I guess. What
1: what, what my first Idea was just to mess with people to the extent that they didn't, they weren't quite sure what had happened, <laughs> and like that people were really weird with them. And then I didn't, I didn't think that would work after you know, thinking about it. Yeah, you just can't you go away feeling vaguely messed up, but not sure quite why. You might get
0: a few more refund requests. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: But do you um, think there will be a, a twenty? A, you know, a twen- this is number eleven next year, isn't it? Will there be a, a twenty? Do you think? You know, I hope so. Yeah, I is hope
1: so. Plan? But it does need to be. It, it needs, we need to find, um, I mean, you've probably caught me at a particularly low point. It's not, it's not, it, it's just, we need, you know, which is, it's the driving force behind this new thing that we're going to do. It's that it just needs to, what else can a music festival be? Yeah. I mean, everything else will still be there as we've always done, but it's, you know, th- this, yeah. Well, good luck what's, what's really...
0: in the search for the next, the next thing. Yeah. Has anyone got a question from out in the audience for, uh, for Oliver? Put your hand up or just shout if you have. <laughs> Go on, what's your name and uh, ch- shout out your question. Uh, Susanna, and um, I work in the comedy industry and I came to DSH last year, uh, or oh, the last one. And um, the comedy programme was amazing, really, really good. Um, and I felt like a lot of people, though, went in there because it was raining a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't seen it when it's beautiful sunshine and, and, you know, the comedy
1: attracts people of its own accord. I just wondered how important is the comedy to you and, and for the Shed and for families? Um, it's really important, actually. Um, It's really hard to book as well because, um, because it's PG rated. Mm-hmm. So the comedy, um, I don't have much to do with it. Megan... Oh, Megan books it um, But and I think I think what it is there's a few things about it. it. It does appeal to both Some some shows and we pick up most of our stuff at Edinburgh does appeal, you know, we try and get things that appeal to Adults and kids The other interesting thing I think is that I think kids learn a lot about comedy through seeing their parents laugh That's the thing as well. I think there is some learn behavior I mean, some of it, you know, I mean, you probably see your parents do behaving ways you probably haven't for a while anyway, because it <laughs> depends how much they've had to drink and let their hair down. But yeah, no, it's, it's a really important thing and it's an increasingly important thing, especially last year, I think we kind of featured it and we probably spent more money on comedy because we just, m- booking music is, is, does seem to be a, an ever-decreasing kind of uh, pool of fish and, and there were so many bands that we tried to get last year and we're just, there's a thing with festivals called exclusivity. So another festival, will just put an exclusivity clause in the contract. So um, even if you can afford a band, you can't necessarily get them. Um, and so I think we, yeah, that's another reason for pushing, pushing more on the comedies that, I mean, that's not, it, it just, no one else is doing it quite as much, you know, it's so again, it's, if you can go broader, in the spectrum of stuff that you do, then that's maybe a more sustainable strategy than just piling money into yeah. fighting yeah. over elbow or whoever. <laughs> yeah. <you know>. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Great question. Thank you for that one. Anyone else got a question for Oliver? Go on. Hi,
2: name's Richard. You, you Hi, talked Richard. about the risk, the financial risk when you first started setting up and you manage your expectations as to what you could lose. The festivals now you're booking obviously larger more expensive bands and you're outlaying a lot of cash to begin with before you've started to sell tickets or are you are you booking these acts once you've got an idea of how many tickets um uh,
1: it's well it's uh, it's the most managed disaster I, again kate my wife does um all of the accounts so she budgets it really tightly actually um and you don't have to pay anything <laughs> you know there's there's the early, if you if you can imagine how the financial festival of a the financial cycle of a festival works um you get if you sell early bird tickets you get quite a big amount up front which tends to keep you going till the end some festivals will i mean we look we look at each festival as a discrete financial thing so it so the money from the tickets for that particular festival has to pay for everything but if you looked at it like a business, you could argue that okay, so you've got a load of invoices in in August, but you've just put your early birds on sale, and therefore you, you know, you're stealing money from next year. You, I mean, that is how some of them work. This obviously isn't. Will go wrong at some point. Um, but we've always looked at, at Shed like that that it has to work on a, like each discrete thing.
2: So and now with the scale, it is.
1: Now with the scale, now. Yeah. Well. Um, it, it yeah it is um, and we it, it's got to the point now where we are sort of increasingly nervous about how much it's costing actually um, um, and it's not it's, it's not particularly I'm being very honest here uh, it's not particularly uh, we're trying to make it more profitable ultimately because at the moment it's kind of it, it, you know you may well earn more than me and my wife do quite could quite easily do so there's not there's not a great deal of money in it and we're trying to just we're trying to just broaden who we are kind of talking to and just seeing right well how can it, how can we make this how can we kind of keep going for the next 10 years with that and just take a little bit of that financial pressure off
2: have you considered things like Kickstarter? I'll just name one but in terms of spreading the risk and putting the onus on the customer, if you like, to enable the, the thing to go ahead. So if, if you don't get enough people uh, buying into the whole concept, then um, um, they get the money back
1: and it's all off. I mean, Kickstarter, it, the way Kickstarter works is it essentially is like buying a ticket. Mm. That you know, you invest 150 pounds. What you get back is usually a festival ticket or it might be a festival ticket and a yeah. thing. Yeah. So the the mechanic, I don't think is sort of any different. To selling a t- to selling a ticket, particularly. But if it
2: does, if you don't get the full backing, then you can pull out.
1: Is it it's um, a bit of a break? Yeah, I mean, it's not. To, it, it's 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 as managed as you could imagine it being, mm. I suppose. Is that you know you kind of base it you base it on selling as many tickets as you did the year before. You hope to sell more, and the margin of profitability is tolerable. Mm. Um yeah it's not it is a risky thing to do but we are sat here i suppose after mm. 10 years having done it <laughs> for 10 years and not and we've and he, apart from the first one each deer shed has been profitable albeit not anywhere near what you might imagine i don't know what you might imagine <laughs> <how> profitable <laughs> it, it might be um yeah
0: all right all right we've just got time for one more anyone got a question final one
1: are you happy that you did this ten years
0: in? Um, yeah. Is
1: it like you've done well, lots of interesting? Sorry, my name's Sam. You've done lots um, of interesting things in your career, but where you are now, ten years into this, is this? Are you happy that you did it? Um. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. No, definitely. Well, I I, well it, yeah, it is. Well, it, you think you think when you're on your deathbed, don't you? you? Think right. Well, can I look back and think? You know, what what period am I? did it all was it all great and i I think i could say that you know from doing it um i wouldn't want to give up the lifestyle the kind of i wouldn't get another job doing anything else i'm sure um and it's a life it is a lifestyle thing i mean that is the kind of for what it lacks in monetary reward you know i can drive around in my pickup pretend, pretending to be a farmer you know, <laughs> tutting at people um yeah so yes yes think so but it's very it's, it's almost the best and the worst job in the world in the, the level of uh, of pressure and stress that that's probably very disrespectful for anyone who's like a nurse or a <laughs> brain surgeon or
0: we know any, what you mean yeah, We know what you mean yeah. and that's a nice positive finish i think isn't it so thank you oliver thank you to everyone you. for your questions as well big round of applause please for oliver well thanks for all planning, okay. So that was episode 40 of Creative Forces. Oliver Jones, I hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation. It was brilliant to record it in front of the audience. And thanks to everyone who uh, listened, watched, and also to those who asked questions. Very uh, good questions for everyone at the end. Um, that, was, that was great. It was a really, really nice event. and It was, it was uh, great to be part of it. Now, don't forget, if you would like to support the podcast, uh, you can do. You can go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash creative forces pod. You don't have to, but it would be very much appreciated if you could make a financial donation to help the podcast uh, be made. It just helps to, you know, keep the podcast going, cover the cost. And if you enjoy what you hear and you'd like to hear more, Um, It'd be great if you could donate. I'd like to give a big shout out as well uh, to the three uh, big donors uh, who've helped me out this year. Uh, And they are Julian Richer, the founder of Richer Sound, who was on the podcast and has since then uh, been a supporter of the podcast. Uh, Julian, many, many thanks your support has been massively appreciated also to my friend one of my oldest friends uh jimmy alton who has given uh, a monthly donation uh, for some time now and he's really really helped too so thank you jimmy thank you for your feedback too we've discussed the podcast episodes uh, a couple of times and your feedback has been warmly uh, warmly received and also to my dad, Eugene Kilty, who has supported the podcast too since uh, since pretty much day one through the Patreon um, page. So, a big thank you to him and thanks for everything, Dad. <laughs> so, if you would like to join them, it's an illustrious list. If you'd like to join them uh, as a donor of the podcast, a supporter of the podcast, please go to patreon.com forward slash creative forces pod. Also, don't forget you can get in touch anytime, creative forces pod at gmail.com, or you can find me uh, at at guy kilty on twitter or at creative forces p i look after both of those accounts obviously so just give us a shout be great to hear from you so thank you for listening that was episode 40 of the creative forces podcast with oliver jones recorded live at podcast social club hope you enjoyed it Uh, see you next year in 2020